I mentioned the way we're sitting has everything to do with our conclusion to the book of Ephesians. I want to talk about that for a moment, if I may. Um, a reminder to us, if you, if you notice when, you're, when I had you introduce yourselves earlier, my guess is that you probably met someone that you didn't know because you were where you're not, you weren't seeing where you normally sit. Uh, they've been at fellowship for eight years. <laughs> and uh, when you're looking at me now, I want you to understand you're looking at me, but just look right past me and you're looking at them. And you know, you're looking at me, but if you look right past me, you're looking at her. And what this does is it reinforces and reminds us what Ephesians has taught us, that we're a body. And you understand every part of the body matters. And I can say this without any exaggeration, but the person that you are looking at over there has everything to do with your spiritual growth. You see, the person that you're looking at over here has everything to do, and who you're looking at over there has everything to do with your maturity in Christ. Ephesians says it's when the body serves one another, it builds itself up. And we're reminded of that even as we sit today. And I know this. Isn't it a bit awkward to sing and go, they're looking at my face right now. I'm not sure what they're thinking. But we're, we're a family. And this reinforces what Ephesians has already taught us. It's why in a moment I'm going to hand you a microphone. And I'm going to invite some of you to share. And when I say that, it's, it's not a time for announcements. It's not even time to stand up and say, would you pray for me? It's not that. It's a time to stand up and say, can I tell you what God has shown me through our study of Ephesians? It may be this. You know, when we were in this part of Ephesians, this is what I learned. And this is changing the way I'm living. It could be for some in the room that you'd be willing to stand up and say, God in his word impressed upon me and I understand this now and I have taken this step of faith as a result of our study through Ephesians, you see. And so as I'm speaking and even as I said those words, I'm going to encourage you. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit if he prompts you to stand and share. Because when you do, please know that you are building up the body. It's not always about the teacher. It's about what we say to each other. And we'll get the opportunity to do that together. Before that, let's open our Bibles to Ephesians 6. We are in the last chapter of Ephesians. Go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verses 21 to 24. The last four verses of this letter we have been studying Uh, Some 32 messages now. Let's stand together one more time, would you, in honor of God's word. Follow along in your Bibles as I read it. This is God's word to you and to me this Lord's day. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. But that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing... Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us, and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. You may be seated. Thank you. We read these verses and we notice there are two parts to this. It's very clear that verses 21 to 22 are a salutation. What's that? It's a personal goodbye. And that verses 23 to 24 are a benediction. What's that? It's a a prayer wish that he gives. And these are very common ways in which letters of that day, just like we sign, you know, I love you, best wishes, warmest regards. It's a very common way that the literature and letters of that day were ended. And Paul follows that. In this salutation, we're introduced to a man, Tychicus. We don't know much about him. I'll say briefly, he's mentioned five times in the New Testament. Each time, it's just a word. I, you know, I sent Tychicus. I'm going to send Tychicus. We know that he, he traveled with uh, the apostle Paul. He traveled with him to Rome where he was, Paul was then in prison. So he's a you know, firsthand account. But we, 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 while we don't know much, we know everything we need to know about him. Paul has a two phrase description of this man. He says he's a beloved brother and a faithful servant or minister. I want to suggest that's all we need to know about the man. When Jesus was asked, he said, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? Well, he responded, Jesus responded this way in Luke 10, 27, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. I, I want to suggest that that's exactly what this man Tychicus did with his life. That here Paul could say he's, he's a beloved. Why would he be beloved? Because he's loved God and loved others. And he's a faithful servant minister because he served others. Y'all, this guy didn't, I don't think he planted any churches. We don't, you know, he didn't write any literature, no books, no anything. 2,000 years later, we're talking about this guy named Tychicus. Why? Because he loved others and he served others. If you're wondering, you know, why am I on the planet What's my, you know, you're looking for the purpose-driven life. Look no further. Love God, love others. That it may be said of you, he loved well, he served others. That's it. See, all of us in the room have different vocations. I mean, there's different ways you're paid, you get your paycheck. But we have one calling. And I think it's described by Tychicus's life. To love others and serve others to the glory of God. That's everyone's calling regardless of your vocation. In fact, you are in your particular vocation. Listen, it's not just about the paycheck. If you're in Christ, you're there for a far greater reason. For the work of the kingdom and the gospel. He also has a purpose for sending Tychicus. By the way, just so you know, Tychicus delivered the letter. I mean, the physical letter. He delivered it. He gave it. And when he did, it's a note here, he says, he's going to tell you a few more details. So, so he delivers the letter and he says, hey, there's some other things I want to tell you about Paul. And Paul says, the reason I want him to do this is so that you may be comforted. The same idea is that you may be encouraged. You may be encouraged by what he says. Now, now, Stop here and, and consider Paul's circumstances. We know this. Paul is in jail. 
Paul is in jail unjustly. Paul is incarcerated for doing the right thing. Freedoms have been removed. I mean, this is not an easy place. So think about it. The guy in jail is comforting the people who aren't. And you'd think it'd go this way, that those of us out here with our freedom, let's comfort the poor guy in jail. It's not the way it works in God's economy. I hate this. I mean, I don't like this. I, didn't like, I don't like it for Paul per se, but wouldn't you say that prison was God's ordained place for the Apostle Paul to write letters from which we, 2,000 years later, that's so encouraging. And if I can take it from that context to our own, can I say to you that your jail, wherever you are in life and you are in a tough place and it's a hard place and, and, you know, the freedoms are gone, it's it's a struggle. You hear what I'm saying? I'm on jail using quotations. In your jail, can I say this? That is God's ordained place for you to encourage others others. I don't fully get that, but I believe it's true. That in that, in a way only in God's economy, your hardship qualifies you, prepares you, has you in such a place of dependence that you can be an encouragement and give comfort to others. Well, it totally changes our, our, our world view and our struggles. I want you to take your programs um, and I'm going to have you write three things. Uh, Paul concludes his letter with that benediction, beautiful at the back end, and, and, and it's a very common benediction. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus with incorruptible love. That benediction you see. Paul started the book of Ephesians. Go back to Ephesians 1, 2. Peace be to the brethren. Love. He starts there. Writes the whole letter of Ephesians. And what does he do? He comes full circle to peace, love, grace, faith. Now I want to do a very quick review of the book. And I'm going to do it in three phrases, which is why I want you to have your programs. You don't, you know, if you don't write them down, that's okay. I just, if you want to, write these down. Because when we share in a moment, it may be you could go, it may, it may spark something in your mind, go, you know, during that section, this is what I learned. I, I want to say this. Uh, three phrases that, that, that uh, encapsulate the book of Ephesians. The first is this, the blessings. Just write the blessings. That's Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. That in Christ Jesus, in Christ, if you've placed your faith in Christ, you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and raised again. If you're in Christ, then you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. I mean, we, we can't even name them all. Paul, of course, in that big, long Greek sentence names a few. You've been adopted. You've been redeemed. Your sins have been forgiven. Listen to this. You are an inheritance to God and you get an inheritance from God. The Holy Spirit has sealed you for the day of redemption. When you hear that word sealed for the day of redemption, hear this, security, men and women, I don't care how weak it is, how fragile it is, how far you've wandered. 
If you're in Christ, you will make it to the end because you're sealed in the Holy Spirit. Oh, the blessings of Christ that are ours. If I summarize it, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is this. Jesus is all you need. Jesus is all you need. But I'm going to give you a question to think about on each of these sections. The question I'd give you here is this. Is Jesus all you have? See, one's true, it's a fact. The other, well, I don't know if it's true for you. It certainly could be. But here's what matters. Is Jesus all you have? Because in order to experience the, the, the fullness of all the blessings that are ours in Christ, we must be at that place where Christ is all we got. See, it can't be... You know, I, I'm enjoying the blessing because I've got Christ and my retirement. I've got Christ. The market's good. I've got Christ in my family. I've got Christ and my kids are doing well. I've got Christ. That's why I'm doing No, no, no. There's nothing else. And, and I know those other things matter. Please hear me on this. But the priority, the, the, the core, the essence is I've got Christ. And nothing else. And listen, all the other stuff comes, but you're not going to taste the fullness of those blessings. Of course, we don't taste them fully this side of heaven, but yeah, you got to be at that place where he's all you got. The blessings, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Ephesians 4 through 6, second phrase, the walk. The blessings, the walk. Remember this, Paul says, in light of all the blessings, you do understand that you now must walk in a manner. You get to walk. You will walk in a manner worthy of that calling. Uh, all of those blessings become reality in your life. He's going to tell us three ways that we're going to walk at least. You remember this? He says you're going to walk in love. You're going to walk in light. And you're going to walk in wisdom. When he says you're going to walk in wisdom, he uses that phrase there, that command, by the way, be filled with the Spirit. So it's to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. What's that? It's to live your life in such a way that in the power of the Spirit, the very person of Christ is reproduced in your life through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a question about this walk that I want to ask you. Are the spiritual blessings of Christ being physically manifested in your way of life. Let's just, let's just take these what they are. They're spiritual truths. I can't, how do you, where is one? I can't, you know, they're, they're, they're invisible, so to speak. But if they're true in our life, then they will show themselves tangibly, physically. You've heard of a symbol. Let me describe a symbol. It's this round brass thing, etc. That's all fear. That's all words, whatever. It's not until, oh my gosh, you know, I hurt my finger. That thing's real. Spiritual blessings are the same. Oh, they're, they're true. They're real. But listen, they're made to be expressed in how we live our lives, how we interact, what we do. The blessings, the walk, the last phrase, we just finished on this one, is the fight. Ephesians 6, 10 to 17, where we learn, men and women, that there is a spiritual battle raging, that there are 
demonic beings, the devil, who work incessantly to scheme, to destroy and diminish the glory of God. And if you have placed your faith in Christ Jesus, then you have a target on your heart because a redeemed humanity is God's greatest glory. And so they're after you. And then I said when we went through this that to think that that's not happening in this room, in our world right now, is foolishness. But we stand firm in what Christ has already done and in his strength, not our own. Here's the question I'd ask on this last section on stand firm. Are you holding the hill? The hill that Christ secured for you by his life, death, and resurrection. And are you holding it in his strength and not your own? The blessings, the walk, the fight. This is Ephesians. I'm going to invite you all to share, and I'm going to start this way. I'm going to ask John Mays to join me. John, come up here and grab a microphone. John Mays is an elder here at Fellowship, has been for over a decade. Now, you don't, may not recognize him because he's at the Franklin campus. We pulled him up here for this weekend. He wrote me a note recently, and he was just talking about this, literally talking about Ephesians and what does it mean. And when he wrote the note, I said, John, would you, would you be willing to share that with our, our body? as we share this weekend, and he uh, gladly said yes. So uh, I'm going to let John share, and then the microphone will go to us that we might share as well. Good morning, everybody. Good to be back at the Mother Church. Yeah. You know, when Lloyd was going through all the uh, service times options for you, there, are, there is a Franklin campus, you know. Oh, I did not say yeah, appreciate that. And... Uh, <laughs> It's uh, well known that this is the campus that God highly favors. Oh, boy. Is very, this sharing from very Ephesians? Very godly people. Okay. Very good-looking people yes. down there. Parking places abound. That's for sure, down there. I actually wrote this, uh, you know, those first and third emails that some of you guys get. I wrote this for that, and Lloyd and, and some of the guys thought it might be better to share it in this context. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to read it. Uh, and I, if you hear this and go, that's kind of silly, you know, a story to take up that much space, uh, I would get that, but it was significant for me, so I'm going to read it to you. What does it look like? That's been the question bubbling up for me through these final chapters of Ephesians. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. Okay, but what does that look like? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Stand firm. What does that really look like for me? This kind of questioning has even leaked out into broader areas. Loving my neighbor as myself. Simply living out the gospel every day. What does that really look like? When I was 14, I took a job at uh, this little town in Texas I grew up in at, at the local ice cream shop. The store was run by Mary Pierce, and she made a habit of hiring boys out of our church. At 15, I inherited my sister's car, and of course, the first thing that needed to be done was a new tape deck, right? Uh, I had my eye on the perfect one. It was $42, which was a little rich for my Otto's ice cream budget. So my impatience got the better of me. Uh, 
And I slowly began taking money out of Mary's cash register. A dollar here, two dollars there. I don't actually remember how much I stole, but I know it was enough to buy the deck, and, and I did. I'd never told a soul. And I've been back to that town hundreds of times since I left. Every time, every time, that still small voice would stir in me and say, I love you, I've forgiven you, but this still bothers you. Why don't you make it right? Hmm. Every time my heart would begin to pound, shame and pride would flood over me, and I would just rationalize my way out of it. Two weeks ago, I was back home again, and I decided to drive to see Mary in the nursing home. She's 90 now, sharp as a tack. She's miraculously survived some terrible health issues. She's had a leg amputated, so she's in a wheelchair. And from that wheelchair, she greeted me with a huge smile, big hug, and my stomach was in knots. I confessed. I told Mary the story. And with the most generous, Christ-like spirit, she forgave me. That little room turned into a holy place. And Mary's wheelchair became the foot of the cross. And there, you guys, I laid down a burden, a $42 burden that I had carried for 43 years. I left there breathing the free air of love, mercy, and peace. I felt whole again in a way I hadn't in a long time. And for me, on that summer Sunday in Texas, that's what it looked like. Mm -hmm. Thanks, John. I'm going to ask John to keep that microphone on that side of the room. Hey, Hal, can I ask you to get this microphone and and cover this side of the room for me? And uh, by the way, you see this tape on these microphones? They're on, and when you speak, you got to keep your hand above it. You don't want to get your hand down here because that's the antenna, and plus the yellow lets them know which microphone is going so we have the audio. So how? keep your hand above that yellow one too. Just hang out here, and as people raise their hands in a moment. I love what John said. I just want to draw attention to this. When he sensed the Spirit speaking to him, and this is, this is confirmation, John. I want to affirm. This is God. In that, did you notice that he didn't sense... The Spirit saying, you oughta. I can't believe you haven't. You should. It didn't hit, what, what was the first thought that came to his mind? I, I believe this is of the Spirit. I love you, sinner, <laughs> stealer. I love you, you see. And invited him in, didn't he? Christ was already in all that and invited him in. So, so much of the Spirit in that. How about for you all? We have time for a few. If you'd raise your hand. I didn't barely get turned around. We got some. Introduce yourself and then and then share. Hi, church. My name is Brady McCool. Um, I'm from Texas as well. Uh, I got engaged on February 8th. And the spirit moved me very deeply to come to Nashville. Excuse me if I get emotional. But, um. I came here by myself, but I didn't come alone. As soon as I got here, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anywhere to live yet. 
and God bless me greatly in the Williams family. I think they, I think they fed me probably the first five or six Sundays that I came here. Gave me a job. God led me here to share my gifts in my music, and I, I was screen printing as well, and he owns probably one of the best places to work that I could think of around, and it was just an amazing door that God had opened for me. I, uh, as I've been here, by myself, with my fiance back in Texas, I, I'm, I met my fiance when I was 14 at church camp, and we didn't speak. For, we didn't speak for several years after church camp, and one day God put it on my heart just to see how she was doing, just to check on her and just see how things were going. And the, the rest of it's all history. But as I was sitting here today, I was contemplating. You know what a what an amazing sense of fellowship. I mean, the, the fellowship. And when he, when the Williams family came to me and asked me if I had a church family, I was just like. He put it right there in front of me. He he used you to open that door for me, and he does that with everyone. It's the little conversations and the little steps that you take that can help improve someone else's life so greatly. I could have I, I, I could have come here and done anything I wanted to, but every Sunday I've tried to come to fellowship, and it's meant a lot. Um, as I was sitting there again, like I said, I'll, uh, it was my, this is my final Sunday as a single man. I'll be getting married next weekend, so y'all be praying for me. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. Somebody over here. Just throw that down that aisle. Yeah. Thank you. I would like to share from a military perspective. My husband and I both were in the military for many years. And going through the book of Ephesians, it just really reminded me of some basic principles and truths that we are taught. Mm. And one, there's adversity in the world. We all know it. You watch the news. You go to work, your own family. And in the military, you train, you train, you train, you train, you train. And the reason you're doing it is you never know when that battle's coming, when that war's mm. coming. But you need to be prepared. And there's a temptation to retreat. And the military really focuses on getting you over those things you worry about, the fear. And when we come in every single Sunday or Saturday night, and they're teaching us the basic principles um, to help overcome those fears and help us to fight that natural flesh to retreat. And I know that through the book of Ephesians, it felt like the adversity was going up in my own life and even falling back on, you know, me and God and God being my strength, my stronghold, my refuge. And that's when I was starting Mm -hmm. to fall back. And when we really started to get into it and God saying, get over it Mm -hmm. and it's going to get worse. And that's why we train for it. Mm -hmm. And the, the premise of Ephesians is your training is simple. Put on your armor, stand firm, pray at all times, and let the world see how you handle this adversity. And Mm -hmm. the way that I changed um, through this is I started to share more at work. I work in a corporate environment now, a lot of pressure Mm. not to tell people, you know, you're a Christian. And 
what I did, it's still okay to say what's going on in my life and then connect the dots back to God. Mm. And so mm. the training I've gotten through this um, teaching has said I have adversity all day long. And I also shared with people um, here at church, and I'm not perfect, and I'm falling apart some days and challenges, but I keep saying go back to your training. And what does mm-hmm. your training say? Stand firm, stand firm and get out there. So mm-hmm. I encourage all tell, of you in this. Tell me, your, tell me your name. I'm sorry. My name is Terry Schmidt. Okay, Terry, thank okay. you. Just one. Thank you, Terry. Anyone else like to share? Just slip your hand up and... John, go ahead. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derive its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, that's, that's us in this room, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, mm. which surpasses knowledge. Um, when Mike was speaking, Michael speaking, um, about this, that, the strength to understand how much God loves us. That, to me, is the starting point for the walk and the fight. Until, so my name is Brian Peterson. Until I know how much God loves Brian Peterson, how much he loves me, no matter what I do, no matter how I fight, or the things I say, but he loves me, how, the, the breath and the depth, that out of that, I can love my wife. Out of that, mm-hmm. I can love my kids. Out of that, I can love my neighbor. And that, that to me, was, was life-changing. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brian. Right here, John. Uh, Introduce name- yourself. You're on. My name is Ed Owens, and uh, my wife, Dimple, couldn't be here today. We've been in part of this body for about the last two years or so. And... Um, uh, about the time that we started the series on Ephesians, my wife and I were going through a great trial. It was like multiple trials on all fronts. We were mm-hmm. going through trials with our kids, finances, health, a number of things. And uh, then about midway through this series, um, we like to think of it as a hurricane because we, we mm-hmm. sing that song that he loves like a hurricane, and we feel like we can relate to that. Um, that hurricane went from Category 3 to Category 5. It was tough, but um, we experienced in this church this thing that uh, the Bible refers to as grace, the surpassing grace. And it was almost something so tangible to us mm. that we could sort of reach out and feel it, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. It was so, so sustaining. In fact, I might put it to you this way, and that is that the sweetness of God's grace in the midst of our trials has been better than if there had been no hurricane at all, hmm. truthfully. Wow. And uh, our, I think the bottom line of it is our love for the saints in this body, the, especially the teaching pastors and everybody that we serve with here has just grown a lot through the book of Ephesians. 
One final note, and I know yeah. you've got to, you and can. that is, God used Ephesians mightily in my own life to restore my own marriage. About 10 years ago, it was in a pretty tough spot, and a pastor friend of mine suggested that I might start to uh, memorize and meditate and pray and preach the Bible to myself daily, so I said, oh, well, I'll try that. So I started memorizing pretty decent tracts of the Bible in Ephesians. The, the verses on uh, that hmm. I ought to be loving my wife more, like Christ loved the church. I started preaching and praying that to myself daily, and one commentator that I, uh, I use said that the love of Christ, although very sacrificial, is at least these five things that really radically changed my life. It reset my relationship hmm. with God and also my wife, and that is the love of Christ is inconceivable to the human mind. It's unparalleled in the universe. It's wonderful, everlasting, and unchanging. And when I started praying those things daily, I mean, I can tell you this, that when I got married to my wife, I had you might say a bit of a flame for her. But that flame in the last 10 years has grown to basically a forest fire mm -hmm. that is raging out of control mm -hmm. for her. God has done amazing things mm -hmm. with Ephesians for me. Wow. And for anybody who's struggling in some of these areas, I recommend it. Thanks, Ed. Amen. What a great uh, reminder. I want you to turn your attention to the side screens with me. The last words from Paul. In Ephesians, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Now, think about this. This is, gets to what Brian and Ed have reminded us of. Incorruptible love, that's, that's imperishable love as opposed to something that perishes. And I say, I, I don't have that. How can I have that? How can I, a human being, have that kind of love? Well, I want to suggest it's a very fitting ending as Paul trusts that his prayer in Ephesians 3 that Brian read is answered. For when that prayer is answered, that we would know first priority, first thing, God loves me with a love that's incomprehensible. When that hits upon us, you see, then and only then, awakened by that love and possessed, can I say, by that love, you see, then it turns and we then love the Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. Do you see that? Men and women, the gospel is about God's love for us. But it doesn't stop there. For when we know God's love for us, we're changed. And that love begins to flow through us, you see, to each other and to God himself. And so we thought it would be absolutely appropriate to end by singing two songs that remind us, yes, God loves us. Oh, but in Christ Jesus, God, we love you and we want to say it. Let's stand together. Let's lift our voices and declare that imperishable love with which we love our Lord. My Jesus, I
the Lord, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. God flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin. On him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live.
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Amen. And God bless.